Hello and welcome to Inkspire from Tharston, the podcast that talks about all the different ways that you can help your print business to lead the way. In each episode, we'll cover a range of topics such as the latest and greatest technologies for printers, industry trends and knowledge that could help your business run faster and smarter. So, here we go. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Inkspire podcast. I'm Ross Edwards, uh, your host and one of the customer enrollment managers here at Tharston. Today I'm joined by uh, Chief Matt Murtry, our CEO. Hello everybody. And also Rowan Smart, who's Head of Projects. Hello everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Um, so today we wanted to talk about pricing and specifically a strategy to consider for arriving at a price. So, so why... It's obvious that why, in some ways, why pricing is important. You know, we know that relates to profits, but but why specifically do we want to, to to talk about that today? Hello, everybody, again. So, I've seen recently a number of industry reports that show that um, people out there rate pricing as their number one challenge, closely followed by the competition. So there was an article in the US online publication called What They Think oh, yeah. that shows article, pricing yeah. as the, the number one concern, echoed completely by a report by the BPIF showing pricing as being uh, voted as the number one concern by 60% of those people that replied to the survey. Now when they say that it's closely followed by the competition, it really is, mm. and to me, they are sort of related in yeah, my opinion. Competition and pricing as I think people's perception of the competition will have a direct impact on what their pricing is. Yeah, because if you're worried about your competition, what what is it you're worried about is, is probably going to be the, the competitive pricing that they put forward. Yeah, and the sort of things that people have talked about as being their, um, their concerns. There's the threat from online pricing. Yes. Which, you know, they see the likes of... Uh, let's say, sort of Vistaprint with their commoditization of certain products. Yeah. That definitely concerns people. And what was really interesting is there's a there's threat from their uh, similarly uh, similar companies' competition, the perceived threat. And I read a really interesting article recently or a sort of a, a thought-provoking um, comment that it seems that the, the printing industry, a lot of people are absolutely obsessed by the way, by the pricing that their competition come up with. Mm, Um, It was uh, really interesting that Gareth Ward from Print Business, um, he'd said, why is it that people are so obsessed with their competitors' pricing and their competitors' cost rates? And often they they don't even know their their own rates. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's true. Yes, yeah. And you, you hear various stories of how people have claimed that oh this competitor down the road has been able to do this job at less than i can buy the paper for yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. yeah. how do they know yeah. are they mind readers yeah yeah I, I i can think of a an example of that recently where a, a customer was telling me that they'd lost a, a major contract that they usually win every year because a competitor had done it for a lot, a lot less less than they could buy the materials for Mm. You know, and so we're, we're really confounded by that situation and, and couldn't understand how that other printer has been able to do that and ha- obviously had a lot of empathy for them. But I, I did kind of think, well, how, how do you know that that's the price of the material? That they, 
they might already have that material in in stock left over from another job they might have sourced it from somewhere else it might not just be material the reason for the low price you hear people say oh they're cutting their throats to actually win this business and okay so that could be true it could be part of a strategy yeah yeah Yeah, it might be a tactical move to secure more more turnover yeah we don't know and that's the point you don't know or take these online organizations they could have a very slick super focused system that is able to produce a certain range of products incredibly efficiently which allows them to come in at what seems to be a crazy price yeah so you know okay and then there'll be the ones that are coming up with a price which actually is completely crazy and in the end yeah. it will probably lead to their demise yeah yeah, yeah. or they've made an error yeah the miscalculated i suppose and um i know rowan you know you're in your role as head of projects <clears throat> this sort of whole subject of pricing is a very very uh, very sensitive a part of the deployment it is and my team often get often gets asked what are the rates of joe blogs down the road uh, what press speeds are they running at yeah they they put us under pressure to divulge that sensitive information and obviously we can't do that but that obsession with um uh, competitors rate seems i don't know i don't understand well yeah. i think it's misplaced isn't yeah, it i think it's I misplaced think so. and and when you're rolling out these new systems, you know, I, from my experience, when I've done a few in the in the dim and distant, yeah, the rates were generally not up to date. These so-called no. cost rates that they were using, it, yeah, it's it, yeah, it's, it's interesting. They're not up to date. The the reason they're putting a new management information system in is to is to revisit these prices to make sure they're getting accurate, um, consuming time and materials correctly. Yet they're basing their pricing on rates and machines even that, that are obsolete or don't even exist within yeah. their business so it, it, it they're trying to replicate within a certain percentage of of their incumbent system seems illogical and i also think as well it, it too, maybe i'm looking at this too black and white hmm. but what does it matter what your customers sorry your competitors cost rates are anyway because if their cost rates are less than yours what are you going to do about it as a business? How you're not yeah, necessarily true. going to be able to match it. So what what does well? What I think does it what, matter. I th- yeah, Ross. I think what happens you see them that um, they become. You see people focused on the selling price yeah. of a competitor, and then they, if their prices come out different, they start to do something which is terrible, which is to they massage their cost rates yeah. or run speed yeah. yeah and that's the thing so run speed so they massage their cost rates to to squeeze down the price so that they can then mark it up yeah. to arrive at the price and or a pound less yeah. Yeah. than their competitor yeah. and it's important that you have an accurate method of manufacture yeah. for many other reasons sort of downstream communication with equipment effective production planning yeah. delivery schedule planning and and so on and um it's interesting about the whole online thing i was yeah. reminded of a company that uh, was based in scotland and um they wanted to venture into that online space yeah and they had looked at the trade prices for another 
provider to the printing industry yeah. and they'd sort of analysed it and worked out that they could do a price one pound less than the, the, competition. the competition and nothing more they'd sort of massaged their whole method of manufacture just to arrive at a pound less believing that that would mean that they were to now secure more business and more to business, steal yeah. the business from this um, from this particular organization yeah. needless yeah. to say that did not happen yeah. and the company in question is no longer uh, no yeah. longer trading it's just interesting you say that one as well i can think of a, another example of um when i was uh, engaged with a prospective customer and their what they were doing with their system is they were creating a quote for for the inquiry that they got but then once they'd, they'd done the quote and arrived at the price they'd then go online and check what that product would be that inquiry with one of their competitors and if it was less they'd then go back to the to their quote and start massaging the quote to to get it so that it, it's it's less than that that competitor's online price mm, um, yeah. and it, it was almost made you think well why even right. bother quoting? Just just yeah. just go to the online and, and, and deduct it by ten pounds or a pound or something. A little bit like your story. And surprisingly, that that, that business doesn't exist anymore either. Yeah. Um, and um, interesting, Rowan, when you were saying about people pricing for equipment using equipment they no longer have. Yeah. Um, I remember one customer that I visited. This was a, a long time ago now uh, when I started the journey of doing sort of JDF integration. Yeah. And I had, uh, they'd had a new Heidelberg press. Um, sorry, correction, they'd had a new Komori press okay. uh, installed. And uh, we were sending this job to it. And I went to the Komori system and the job never arrived. I went back to the the um, the console and uh, and realised that the, the job in question was actually destined for the Heidelberg. And uh, I thought, I, they don't have a Heidelberg. I'm sure they don't. They've replaced the Heidelberg <laughs> with the Komori. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe this is an old quote uh, because I knew that this was a, a new press that had just gone in. So when I challenged them about this, they said, oh, no, um, it's not an old quote. It's a new one. And it was the MD that had just quoted it on that on the Heidelberg Press, and I said, "Oh, you need to remove that." And he said, "Well, it doesn't want to because it works out cheaper than the yeah. Amore." <laughs> yeah, it's the same so, thing. Yeah, and needless to say, that organisation is no longer in business mm, yeah. either. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, a this, there is a, yeah. there is a theme. I know they're all anecdotes, but they yeah, are. They, they, they are. definitely does tell you a bit of a pattern, doesn't it? An experience of. That example I gave you isn't the first time I've come across that. It, it, it's it, it's common. It, what it does is it epitomises why pricing is so important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but specifically getting it right relative to your business and also how closely linked the pricing is with the competition. Yeah. And I would say your customers. Okay. So what do we do about this then? Well, we would recommend that you consider a pricing strategy that we refer to as value-based pricing. Okay. You can go online, you can Google it. It's a, it's a term that's, that's yeah. well known. Okay, so what's this? Um, well, okay, let's, let's, before we look at what value-based pricing is, let's take a look at what, um, what perhaps most people are, are familiar with, which is a, a cost-based uh, pricing okay. model. Mm -hmm. right? This is the one that I'm sure Rowan and his team will face many times yeah. when they go and see clients so a cost base uses production costs as a basis for the price how long does it take to do this activity yeah at a 
a rate that was often calculated quite some time ago, yeah. an hourly rate, and then that is marked up. So what this does is it gives you effectively a, a floor price, which is the, the figure without any uh, any, any markup, mark yeah. and a ceiling price. So it gives you a, a price range. Okay, yeah. Okay, but typically this hourly rate will include uh, some element of uplift yeah. anyway. Yeah. Or worse, it's massively out of date and not yeah. representative because a, an hourly rate in theory would normally take, would absorb all of the costs that yeah. the business had, a proportion of the costs. And anybody who's hired people in to come and calculate their, their hourly rates will know, you know, how, how um, complex that calculation is. Mm. Now there are there are advantages. It's very consistent pricing. No matter who does the, uh, no matter who does the quote, they will get the same price. Yeah. And all of the com customers will get the same price. Yeah. And all you can do is massage yeah. the end. Sorry, mark up that cost, that perceived cost, to arrive at a price. But these cost-based companies. We tend to start with the phrase, and, and I've been there on site and I've heard people shout across the office, what's the cheapest I can go in at? Yeah, 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 yeah very much. Mm. Whereas a value-based pricing it tends to focus on the product rather than focusing on the, the organisation that's, that's producing the job. Yeah, so cost-based is more company-focused. Absolutely, because it's looking at how much you say it costs to manufacture that item. Yeah. Whereas a value-based one doesn't initially take that into, into consideration. It's a, it looks at what is the value that a particular company perceives is in the product you're selling to them. Okay. Okay. And th that can be very different from one sector to another sector and from one company, one customer to another customer and we see this this is very predominant in sort of everyday walk of life and for example in the high street yeah yeah so you know take for example handbags not something that that we perhaps know a great deal about other than we all know that the perceived value for a, a, a louis vuitton handbag yeah. would be far greater by perhaps some somebody else mm. than it would be by me. Mm. Similarly, watches, you know, they're a very divisive sort of um, yeah. subject. Somebody else says, I just want a watch that I can use to tell the time. Other, it's 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 a bit of a status. It yeah, says yeah. something about that person. And yet the manufacturing of them would be very similar. Yeah. Yeah, if you think of like uh, I think my daughter from a you know a handbag that she buys from Primark to a handbag that, that would be from a designer shop, they both look very similar, and the manufacturing process will be very similar, but the, it's, it's, it's the perceived value of it, isn't it? That it they, is. They want the designer one because of that badge that's on it, that, that status that they um, associate with that and, and the, the perceived um, values that go with it. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> and it's it's so the, the when we talk about value based, it is the it's the value that the company adds yeah. to the raw materials yeah. to create the overall price. So it's about it's, it's kind of like taking the cost of it 
to, to a sense, but then the value that you add to it. So it, it, it's a supermarket, a similar principle. Would yeah, supermarkets, it's very, you know, you might think that a supermarket is a cost-based sort of uh, pricing strategy yeah, they, they because buy they something. buy something in and then add market up and sell it on. Yeah. But actually, it's, it's not just that. Yes, they have a, a purchase element of the item. Yeah. Just like in print production, you've got, you know, the vast majority of the purchase might be with the raw materials, the yes. paper, for yeah, example. Yeah. Mm. But then they will analyse their target audience. For example, if you were to buy a carton of milk from a Tesco Express, yeah. the value added is likely to be higher than if you were to buy it from a sort of a superstore. Because the value that you place on it as a purchaser yeah. is higher because of the convenience. Yeah. But the milk costs the same. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, for those of you that uh, venture into that, uh, the famous pie shop, Greg's, <laughs> you know, there, they, you would, you would think that the type of company they are, they would have absolute consistent pricing across all of their stores, but that is just not the case. Well, that's interesting. Mm. You know, it is just not the case. And they will they will talk very much online about why their prices vary. Right. And it varies often due to location. Yeah. So there's a, a there's actually a Greg's drive through. Um, one of the uh, the sausage rolls that they were doing was one pound forty five from yeah. the drive through. Yeah. The store around the corner from the office at Greg's, it's one pound. Yeah. Right. So that's a significant mm. difference for the same product, baked probably in the same ovens. Yes, yeah, because yeah. you're paying for the convenience of actually I can buy this, I don't have to get out of my car even to buy it, and the location of it and everything. And yeah, and also, and Greg's will, will say this online, but they factor in their purchase costs. So if, they, so if they're paying right. higher rent yeah. for a location... Yeah. They have to take that into account. Yeah. Yeah. So the value add is the di is the difference. So the price is the purchase plus the value. Whereas in contrast, with McDonald's as an example, their pricing is pretty much consistent wherever you go. A cheeseburger is is ninety nine p or whatever, mm. or ninety nine cents wherever you go, irrelevant of their overheads, their, their, yeah. their costs. So that's a strategy that they, they, they employ for their pricing, yeah. is consistent pricing, yeah. regardless of where you get it. Yeah. But their value added that they will measure internally will probably fluctuate from store to store yes. because yeah. of purchase costs that they yeah. have for probably rent and yeah. occupation. Yeah. Okay, so this value-based value, value -based pricing seems really appealing. So why is it, why is it not more common? I think it's historical. I think it goes back to when management information systems first came into the print industry, what, 30 years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. They were they were fancy calculators, yeah. spreadsheets, and that's the model that they had was cost plus. Yes, okay. And most systems supported that. that well, they did, didn't they? Um, we're obviously more sophisticated nowadays and we can analyse and get all the, uh, the breakdowns. Back in the day, that's what it was. And so printers then knew that historical... And because of that historical data, they just built on it year after year mm. after year. Hence, yes. as I said earlier, about some printers having um, machines that are no longer with them. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you say historical. You're right. Because if we talk about that 30 years ago, mm. in the heyday, mm. the the value added was still something that, 
that printers did look at. Right. And even before MIS, I think value-added was probably used more. Um, you might call it a gut price. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, you yeah. know that this company would pay more. And, and I remember, you know, printers that I used to talk to, that they, their calculation would be to work out how much the paper was and then double it. Yes, yeah. yeah. Now that, that is 50% value-added. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I remember those days. Yeah. So, you know, so even way back then, yeah. and in a way, you could say that MISs and trying to be more sophisticated and trying to be more scientific have probably contributed to this, this sort of fixation with, oh, you've got to have cost rates and then mark them up. But that was when, you know, there was more business around now yeah. you've got to be smarter. It's yeah. it's much harder to increase the the, mm. the the revenue or the profit that you're retaining in a business. It's mm. you've got to run so much harder. So therefore, you absolutely, as a business, need to have a strategy that maximizes every single job that you put out there. You get the most that you can possibly get for it. Yeah. So yeah. so so cost based help solve a problem of, of pricing being consistent, like I, say, like I said earlier, that it, that, that's when the advantage of it, but then it, it also brings with it other challenges because it, it's reliant on confounding variables of your uh, production, how long it's going to take and all of them sort of things, isn't it, I guess? Well, yeah. absolutely. If, you're, if you've worked out a cost rate of £250 an hour for a particular activity, that will have been calculated based mm. on a certain amount of hours you expect to recover. Yeah, yeah. In in a year, and then divide it out, and then maybe per month. Which there's, um, and also that it's going to be run at normal time and not overtime. Mm. And there's there's so many variables in there. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 I don't think it's a reliable method for arriving at a price. But also, you've got to think about. You've got to maximise what you get for it. Yeah, You've yeah. got to see. Think of the whole the Louis Vuitton handbag and yeah. the, um, the the designer watch. You've got to make sure that you are getting the most for the products from your different customers. Yeah. You know, for example, we might perceive the value of a product, a printed product, yeah. because of the nature of the company we are. We would probably place a higher value on it. Yeah. Than, than an organisation where right, it's it's really is just a commodity throwaway thing that they, yeah. they're not bothered about. It's just a leaflet. And it's just a leaflet whereas yeah. we're thinking the people we're sending this to, yeah. it's important that quality is uh, is maintained. So, <clears throat> do we do we think then that cost based pricing puts a limitation, a psyche on 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 the sales guys to say, oh, I can't possibly put twenty percent on this job because. You know, it's, it's, it's obscene. I understand what you're saying. It's almost like it, it, it's limiting, isn't it? Yeah. Like Keith said earlier, you've got almost like a ceiling approach, and it's that yeah. question of what's the cheapest I can sell yeah. this for, yeah. rather than what's the most I can get for this, which are very different questions. Yeah. It's almost like um, a similar to, to like that growth mindset approach. You know, yeah. it's like this is the you've got a limited approach and a, and, and a growth approach, haven't you? Yeah. I, so you might have heard I use the phrase the, the value added, and and, yeah. and that's a that's a key component in this. You yeah. Know, you need to understand what is the value added mm. in the product, and and very very simply, the value added is the selling price less the actual purchases. Okay. Because those are unknown. 
Yeah. Those are fact. They're not based on any um, variable such as how many hours we're going to recover in okay. that month. That's an absolute fact. Mm -hmm. So if you were to sell something for a thousand pounds, and the purchasers, typically the paper, but there will be other in, others in there as well, arrives at six hundred pounds, there is four hundred pounds of value added, or forty percent. Mm -hmm. So. That oh, is a very, quiet. very simple sort of way of arriving at a price. So if you know what your purchase, you know what your sorry purchase costs are, you can very easily arrive at a selling price without knowing a great deal else about the job, other than you need to know, uh, I've worked out how much material you need. Yeah. You don't even need to know how long it's going to take yeah. not to arrive at a price. No, you, you don't. You need it for, for production You need it for other reasons, like that, but, but yeah. to arrive at a price, you don't need to know. So how do we arrive at what that percentage is? I mean, in the good old days, it was 50% and you doubled it. And yeah, that gave yeah. you a close enough price. But yeah. how do you arrive at what is that, that figure? Yeah. And what is that figure for different companies and different sectors? And um, we, we suggest that because the industry is mature, that there will be a, a very useful reservoir of yeah. information that, most companies will, will already have that will tell them for all of the jobs that they have won, it will tell them what the selling price is and what the actual materials purchase price was. Yeah. Yeah. And that will tell you by a company and if you've got the analysis by sector or yeah. market, what that VA percentage actually is. Yeah. So you can then profile your clients to understand the range of percentages. Yeah. You could even do something that we do, which is if you were to analyze those that business you won against that business you didn't win, it's an yeah. interesting sort of exercise to look at what the range of percentages are. We'll often see a very, a very clear pattern between where you win and where you lose. Yes, yeah. Now, the power of doing that is that when you want to arrive at a price for a company that you have never dealt with, I've heard this, people will come in and they'll go to the sales directors or to the managing director and say, I've got this 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 uh, quote to do for a blah, blah, blah product. Yeah. Um, we've not dealt with them before. What shall I go in at? Yeah. And that conundrum. What price do you go in at? Yeah, yeah. Do you go in really low when you think, you know, in, in your heart of hearts, we're all working on a value-based pricing because we use that gut instinct. Yeah. So you know, you think, oh, well, I, I might be able to get more from this company. Yeah. Or, but I don't want to scare them away. Yeah. Mm. So wouldn't it be fantastic to have some tool that could at least give you a guide as to where to go? Yeah. And value-added percentages and the analysis yeah. of historical data will, will help in that respect because that's going to give you a guide based on the profile of that customer that you another customer in a similar industry or, or a similar size to that, that absolutely that, that that's what you won that business for based on that percentage VA so, so it gives you a guide to say this is what we suggest yeah rather than that that challenge of the gut feel or you know do we go in low and then set an expectation that that's what the pricing is always going to be don't scare them off. You've got you've got scientific. Yeah, you've got you've got some you. science behind it. That's also, um, 
you know, you know that it's whether it's good business or not. The higher the VA, the better it is. You know, yeah. we all know that a job that's basically all outwork, that's yeah. not that's not giving you a good return because yeah. the VA is very very low. Mm. Yeah, you sell it for twelve hundred, and you might have a, a thousand worth of outwork. And whilst it might be, it doesn't actually affect your efficient your your own capacity. Mm. It's still, you know, the admin costs would would be. Um, proportionally high relative to the VA that you bring into the actual organization so by profiling customers as you say what you know I talk about what sector they're in but you're right Ross what size yeah are they and there are a lot of marketing automation tools out there now that can sort of pull that information in for you what turnover do they have yeah and any other attribute that you've captured about your clients you can use to arrive at a profile and to help come up with a Yes. Come up with a price for the yeah. first time. Okay. But, you know, we, we do know that um, arriving at a value-based strategy does come with its own pitfalls, doesn't yeah, it? Well, it, it, it does. does. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of resistance to change within the industry. Um, people are scared of, of change like that. They, they don't want to lose business. So there's a, a big emphasis, like I say, on, on repeating uh, or replicating their existing system. So... People are scared of it. It's 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 new, and it, it's, it's I will say that it's almost um, uh, unproven. But that's not the case because, as Keith already said, it's proven in other mm. markets. But just print, we seem to be slow to pick up. And, on and it. actually, when you think about it as well, some, some of the experiences and, and what you've said there as well, Rowan, is that when customers are implementing a new system and they're trying to match. The, the sell price yeah. by two percent or you know whatever it is actually they are that really is they they are being driven by market value by value yeah exactly. in a way aren't they um because they're trying they don't want to affect the sell prices yeah in in the new system so yeah. so there is that element of it but it, I guess this is just giving you an opportunity to to go well you know what you might be able to get more if we do this analysis. You might realise that with new customers that come on board, you could be getting more for, for this. Well, we, we, when we're doing implementation now, we try and separate out the pricing element from the method of manufacture. Okay. We try and focus uh, new implementations on ensuring that they're consuming time and materials correctly. And outside of that, we can then illustrate um, when it comes to pricing, that's a that's a client task, and that's something that we, like I yeah. said, with with our tools, that we yeah. can actually show what value based pricing will will achieve for them. Okay, okay. So, surely the, the amount of labour plays plays a part in this as well, though. Yeah. You know, we've talked about you, you're just saying there's a you, you take the material prices, you've then got your value added element of it, and you can guide that based on historical data of other customers in, in that, that same profile but just just labor account you know, wages and yeah, yeah yeah the sort of the time so as Ro- as Rowan said you, it's very important to have the the time to, yeah. to actually manufacture the item identified okay so yeah. that's important mm. and that's important because that will directly relate to the wages yeah mm-hmm. So I'm not talking about the 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 overhead rate. I'm not talking about this sort of arbitrary £250 an hour. I'm talking about the actual wages rate because that becomes a very useful metric to have when arriving the price yeah. and also identifying 
good products and good customers yeah. from bas- bad products and bad customers. So, so what this enables us to do is where VA or value added is a percentage yeah. against the sales price. Mm-hmm. So it's sales less all purchases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We by having the wages element, we, the wages. So if the wages is um, I don't know a hundred pounds. Yeah. Okay. And the VA was four hundred pounds. Yeah. We then look at the ratio of that wages amount against the VA. Mm. So in that example, it's a four to one. So for every pound of wages, it's created four pounds of VA. Now that acts as effectively a measure of efficiency to produce a product. Now wages are, they are far more, how can I put this, uh, fixed. Than, yeah. than than some of the the overhead rates yeah that sorry the the operate the activity based cost rates so your accounts will know at the end of the year what you spent on wages but bear in mind that that will include non-recovered time as well yeah yeah so where somebody wasn't actually working on an actual job yeah so you're, you're still playing. paying them your wage bill for the year is fairly predictable. Yeah, it's far more predictable than most things. So you know your wage bill, but then you do need to analyse your business to look at, well, what's that sort of chargeable ratio? So it might be that your your wage bill, if you look at your set of accounts, you'll know what your VA is. It's a very simple calculation. You'll know what your wages is, and there is a ratio to that. But But when actually using that as a value to arrive at a price you've got to take into account that the wages that you've paid will include paying for non-chargeable yeah. time so you've you've got yeah. to factor that and as a rule of thumb double it okay yeah. Yeah. So, it might, so it might look like it's two to one which is the wages to the actual uh, va but you might set as a target four to one yeah yeah right so in the example where we're, we're looking at this sort of 100 pounds worth of Wages against four hundred pounds of VA. Mm-hmm. Four hundred pounds of VA might represent, let's say, sixty yeah. percent of the overall. That gives you a sort of if you know that your company achieved VA of fifty five percent, say yeah. in the year, you know that that is a better than average um, VA. And if the VA wages ratio adjusted for non productive time was say three point five to one you know that achieving four to one is great so yeah. that job you're getting good va yeah. and it's efficient to produce yeah. Yeah. yeah so that knowing what the va to wages ratio is is another key component in your pricing strategy and enables you with the right tools to produce if you like uh, what they call a bcg chart bossed by boston consulting group chart okay. where you plot your your va percentage on the vertical axis yeah and then you plot your VA wages ratio on the horizontal axis okay and you have a target VA percentage for the overall company and then you have a target VA wages ratio and that effectively carves this into four quadrants okay you can see then where you're being busy pools can't you you know now I imagine this is quite hard to to visualize on on a podcast as we're describing a, a chart 
Yes. Um, if only we had a, a, a white paper about this. Eh? Well, <laughs> funny you should yeah. mention that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll add this to the show notes. So if you want to look at the visual of the, of the BCG, um, but also if, you can go to our website as well, tharson.com forward slash uh, value dash base dash pricing dash for dash print. Or if you just look on our resources section of, of the website, you'll find the, the downloadable articles. But yeah, yeah. Which, which does go into much more detail about how this, this sort of relationship between VA wages and the VA percentage yeah. can be used. But as Rowan used the phrase, busy fools, mm. but it, it lets, you do, lets you understand which products you produce efficiently, yeah. Yeah. which products you don't, which products produce a high VA and which don't. And then when you use this sort of profiling and factor yeah. customer or type of customer um, or size of customer, you yeah. can start to get some really fantastic management information to help you make decisions about your business. So you yeah. might look at a product and say, you know, we're getting good VA yeah. on that product, but it's really not good from an efficiency point of view. Yeah. Now that might lead you to an investment into some technology or equipment to improve the efficiency. Yes. So that, that makes that product a much better product to actually sell. Yeah. You might find something that is a really low VA and a low efficiency. And you might yeah. look at it and say, there's nothing we can really do. So why do you want to carry on doing that? Yeah, that yeah, particular, yeah. Why maybe, do you, you know, maybe stop doing that sort of product or... Yeah, maybe. Absolutely. And maybe that's why when you come up against somebody online that seems to be able to achieve that price, maybe there's a reason why they can do that and you are just cutting your own throat yeah. to actually carry on doing that particular product. And, uh, and and this is not specific just to print. Yeah. This sort of concept of clotting sort of VA percentage against some other measure of efficiency or whatever metric is appropriate to your industry is not just for print. It applies to any business. Okay, well, that's really, I think that is really interesting and it's um, definitely worth considering for, for businesses to, to look at that. So what, what things would you say you need to think about when considering this then? Um, well, I mean, I've, I've done some very simple examples there, but the, you will find that you might arrive at a VA percentage, but there isn't one size fits all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So different people will pay a different amount and you may have to have different VA targets for different run lengths. Yeah, that's true. You know, as the run gets longer, you may need to have a lower target. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we yeah, do see of, that. Yeah, kind of flex it based on absolutely yeah, the type absolutely. of product and the yeah the quantities and yeah. and and you know you would you'd like to think that uh, as the, the run runs on the efficiency sort of gains come in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the wages to ratio would go up as the run length goes on. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to. It's a, it's a simple exercise. Once you get the information in front yeah. of you, mm-hmm. yeah. And I know that Rowan and his team have a number of tools, and whenever they present this sort of analysis to customers, there's always a little bit of a, a eye pop, eyes popping out moment. Yeah, so it's yeah. a light bulb moment. Where yeah. they go, oh right, really? And and in fact, I went to see a customer the other day, and um, it really hit home that he operates in both commercial and the packaging sector. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And he was talking about the, the real sort of chasm between the two VA rates yeah. between the two yeah. 
the two sectors that he operates in. Okay, like big differences in the BA. Really, really big difference, yeah. 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 yeah, really big difference. So try not to, um, you know, one of the things is there, try not to <laughs> go too granular in this profiling. So whilst I say it's important to, be, to profile customers, if you go too granular, it will be, you know, the cure will be worse than the cold. Yeah, yeah. you're almost going to end up back to... You back. You end up back where you started. Yeah, where you have so many variables. And you're that, manipulating so many different things that you, yeah, you, you're just not achieving it. Okay. So, um, well, thank you very much for 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 what you've talked us through there. I think that's definitely yeah, going to be a value if you're part of the point to, um, <laughs> to to people who've listened to this. I, I hope so. Well, um, I always like to kind of think about you know like key takeaways. So, what what would be the kind of key things that you would say to somebody to to go away and and and, and to take from this well you know my first one would be to measure your performance ratios so value-added percentage for your existing uh, products and customers the VA to wages ratio and we've not talked about it here today but there are there's another metric the contribution ratio and uh, there'll be many companies out there that'll be saying but what about contribution well, that can also be factored into it as well. Yeah. Okay. So the old adage, if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. Yes. Springs to mind. Yeah. So you'll have the information probably. Mm. Um, so get that information out, put it in a report, put it into Excel, give it yeah. your accountant to go and start modeling and, and, um, and using. Because okay. I'll guarantee that the, all of your accountants will know exactly what we're talking about today. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's cool. And so, um, I guess if anything, for, for, for me, I'm thinking, you know, go and do the, the exercises is well worth doing, isn't it? And, and if, you, if you've if you not got the reports, speak to your, your accountant. They, they probably might already have this analysis anyway or can get it for you or or speak to your MIS provider because, you know, they they will probably, should be able to help you with that and, mm. and get that analysis out of your, your system. Um, but I think... And at the end of the day, why are we all doing this? Well, we're doing this to drive profitable growth yeah. in in an industry where you know it's very very tough yeah. right now. So we have to make every pound count. Yes. So by having this level of analysis, it enables you to mm. direct your efforts mm. where they're needed and to stop focusing on sort of sectors or non-profitable products where yeah. it's just just a waste of your precious time yeah. and resources. Yeah, yeah, it's going to allow you to kind of implement strategies, isn't it? Because you, yeah. when you get that analysis, I say even if you just do the exercise just to see first of all, you, you don't have to commit to making this change, but it will probably then start to give you some ideas of, of actually strategies that you can put in place to to improve. Yeah. To to, to improve you improve those performance ratios. Yeah. yeah. Increasing okay. the value by five percent. Yeah across a, a say a product range in a sector has a far bigger impact on the bottom line than saving costs of five percent. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well did Yeah. Okay, well that's a great one to finish on. So uh 
Keith, Rowan, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Ross. And uh, thank you for listening to the podcast as well. Hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, then please do do rate us uh, and please do tell other people about it as well uh, and and share the the link. If you've got any ideas about things that you'd like us to talk about as well in the podcast or you'd like to come on, uh, then please do get in touch. Just drop us an email and get in touch and we can organise that. So thanks again for today and look forward to the next episode.